0: This is Helping of Happiness, episode number 153. Today we have on guest Heather Shaw from Shop Be the Light, and we're talking about how we can see God in even the hardest parts of our life. Hi, I'm Hilary Hess, and you're listening to Helping of Happiness. I am a crazy mom of seven kids who loves to build memories through eating delicious family recipes and going on adventures with my family. On this podcast, you'll be introduced to light-filled people and ideas that inspire me to be a better mom and help me bring family closer together and closer to Jesus Christ. So we get to talk to our friend Heather today, and Heather is going to tell us a lot about her life. She has had a crazy life story, and she just sees the silver lining in everything. And even though she's not had the easiest go of things... She really has seen the work of the Lord in everything that has happened to her, and I think that it's just very inspiring, all the different thoughts and insights that she has. Also, at the very end, don't forget to listen to our newer segment called A Spoonful of Spirit that we have with Lindy Schock from Enix Studies. Without any further ado, here's Heather. There's Shaw, I would love for you to introduce yourself. Tell me about you and your family and all the people you're caring for right now because you have a pretty exciting story about all of the things Yay. you've been jumping into in your life. Yeah, yeah. My my life is actually
1: like um one big lifetime movie after another. <laughs> So I have two daughters. One is currently 16. She's actually turning 17 at the end of the month. And she is the most awesome helper ever. Like, she's amazing. I don't even know what I would do without her right now. So I've got my 16-year-old. She still is at home, obviously. And then I have a 27-year-old. And my 27-year-old had some really bad things happen to her when she was a teenager. And I tried to get her into counseling, but she wouldn't go. Um, just like walk out the back door when I bring her there. So finally, I was like, okay, well, she's not going to go, then I'm just not going to take her anymore, I guess, because she's got to make that decision for herself. So instead of getting counseling and dealing with her emotions, she started making some really bad friends and got into some really bad things and ended up marrying a drug addict. Uh, I didn't know quite how bad it was at the time. I didn't know she married a drug addict. She swore up and down that he wasn't using drugs. And then they ended up having four kids. And he was really abusive, which I found out later. And I also found out he was also addicted to some pretty bad stuff. Um, and I I ended up getting custody of her three kids, who were um, fifteen months, three, and five at the time. He tried to kill her, and the police came. He tried to choke her to death, and they basically saved her life. But. They saw the drug paraphernalia in the house and they took the kids away from her. And so that's when we got involved. She actually called me before CPS ever got in contact with me and was like, mom, you need to come and get my kids right now or they're going to take them away from me. And I didn't know who they were. I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And she's like, just come and get my kids right now. And so we went and got the kids, and come to find out, she was addicted to some really heavy stuff, and her husband was addicted to some really heavy stuff. And there had been some really bad abuse going on for quite some time, and um, it was bad. And so we took the kids, and she agreed that she was going to go to treatment and leave her husband, and she didn't do any of it. (laughs) So that was three years ago. In that same year, uh, right after that happened, she found out she was pregnant,
0: had four kids at the time of hers, or you had three of her kids at that time. We had
1: three of her kids at the time. Okay, So she was pregnant. With the fourth. Okay. She was pregnant with the fourth. Yeah. And so I told her, I said, well, we cannot take this. We can't take another baby. So you just need to get this figured out. And I thought in telling her that, that she would figure it out. And by the time the baby was born, that she would, um, have, you know, gotten treatment and gotten her stuff together. But instead, in the meantime, she was sneaking around with her husband and the city at that point had put a restraining order on the two of them because there had just been so many 911 calls and so much crazy stuff going on that they were just like, we're not dealing with this anymore. You guys just can't be together. So, but they were sneaking around anyways. (laughs) She just didn't plan on getting clean. The baby was born, uh, let's see, five months later. And CPS called me again and they were like, Hey, we heard you have the first three. You want to take this one too. And at first I told them, absolutely not. (laughs) I believe in following through with my word with my kids. And when I told her that I wasn't going to take this baby, I meant it. But she talked to me for about 20 minutes and she was like, uh, basically if you don't take this baby, there's nobody else that can take the baby that we can tell unless you have another idea. And there's not in my family. In my family, there really isn't anybody else that could take the baby. And she said, "Um, I I just want to be straightforward with you. If you don't take this baby, then this baby will be placed into foster care. You probably won't ever see the baby again. The baby won't have any contact with its siblings. And the baby will most likely get adopted out and you might never see her again. So that was really heart-wrenching for me because... She's my granddaughter. (laughs) And I didn't even want to think about never knowing my granddaughter. So I said, I need to talk to my husband. We need to pray about this. We need to figure this out. How long do I have? And this was on Friday. And she said, Well, the baby's leaving the hospital on Monday. And so basically, I had two days to figure it out. And so we talked about it and we decided that we were going to fast and pray. And we called a bunch of our friends and we said, will you fast and pray with us? And they said, absolutely. So Sunday came, everybody fasted and prayed with us. And I'm used to getting really solid signs from God. Like when I, when I pray about something, if it's something really important, God will normally like something will happen and I'll just know without a doubt what I'm supposed to do. Well, this time he wasn't giving me anything. (laughs) And I'm just like, God, please give me something. Like I need to know what I'm supposed to do. And he just wasn't giving me anything at all. And so I went to my Relief Society president and I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I said, you know, normally God gives me this, these really clear signs and I'm not getting anything this time. And I don't know what to do. And she said, well, have you gotten a blessing yet? And I said, no, I hadn't even thought about getting a blessing. And she said, um, you need to get a blessing. And she said, I would suggest getting it from somebody that isn't in the situation, that's outside of the situation. She told me that her husband could do it. Well, her husband, we, we were pretty new to the Lord at the time. Um, and her husband worked in the state presidency. So I literally never even met him before. I actually didn't even know she was married until she said that. And so we decided that maybe he wasn't the best person to give me a blessing because he probably had never even heard of me before, much less know anything about me. And so then she said, well, can you think of somebody else that might be a good person to give you the blessing? And I thought of one other person, but when I went to look for him, apparently he'd already left. And so then I was talking to my friend because she saw me looking around and was like, what's going on? What are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm just looking for so-and-so. And and have you seen him? And she's like, oh no, I think he's gone already. And I kind of hung my head and I was like, huh? I was hoping that he could give me a blessing before he left. And she was like, oh, well, my husband could give you a blessing. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I hadn't even thought about that. Yes, your husband could give me a blessing. Absolutely. And it just felt 100% right. And so he came and gave me a blessing. And when he gave me the blessing, he said, when you accept this child into your home. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) There's my answer. We're taking this baby. And so I called my husband before I came home and I, he was home with somebody who was sick. I can't remember who was sick, but I called him up and I said, okay, we're taking the baby. And he was like, we are. (laughs) And I said, yeah. And I told him what happened. And he said, okay, yes, I guess we're taking the baby. (laughs) And so we took her and she's such a wonderful blessing. I'm so glad we took her because I couldn't imagine life without her. She's just like the perfect little puzzle piece to our family and just such a happy little baby. And she's just so full of joy and that the kids just love her. We all love her. Everybody loves her. She's just a cutie. Three months later, my father-in-law had a stroke and we had known for quite some time that he was going to need to move in with us, but we just weren't quite ready for him. We, you're a mom too, right? So like, if you could imagine my, my youngest daughter was 14 and then all of a sudden, like at totally unprepared didn't plan it or anything. I've got a 15 month a three year- old and a, f- a five- year old. <laughs> yeah and it was like being a new mom times three
0: like crazy. I was just like, <laughs> well in your mothering experience your girls were so spaced out too, right? So you kind of did the baby thing one at a time in some ways, right?
1: Yeah and I kind of did it on purpose actually. like I, I never I never thought of myself as being a mom to several children. When I had my oldest daughter, I thought that she would be my only child. She was actually kind of a surprise. At at the time, I I had almost no religious background at all, and I grew up in a semi-big family. I was one of four kids, living kids. My mom actually had six kids, and um, two of them died, but I just didn't really want that, I guess. I, I think part of it was that my family was really dysfunctional. My parents fought a lot and stuff, and my perception of what a family was like like i i just didn't want that and now i know what a family is really supposed to be like because my new husband is absolutely amazing and
0: there's so much love in our house and it's it's great that is amazing um, so
2: let's go back to
0: your your father-in-law yeah so my father-in-law had a stroke and ended up having to move in with us he needs
1: quite a bit of care. Oh my goodness. Wow. So we went from a family of three. My 14 year old daughter is a very, very quiet kid. She reads and she draws and she's just very artsy and she's a quiet kid. She's never been a loud rambunctious kid. And so our house was very, very quiet for many, many years. (laughs) And then we got these three small children and two dogs. And um, and we went from a very quiet house of three to a very rambunctious, rowdy house of eight in eight months in
0: 2018. That is busy. And then tell me when you started homeschooling, because you started homeschooling around that time too, right? So I started homeschooling. That's actually kind of a funny story.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> when my daughter was in seventh grade, I, I'm an insurance agent by trade, and I actually loved my job. <laughs> so I got this prompting when my daughter was in seventh grade that I needed to homeschool her, and I knew she was having a hard time at school, but I didn't quite know the extent of it. And in my mind, I'm thinking, no, like she she just needs to figure it out. Like this is just part of life, you know. I just kept getting the prompting over and over and over again throughout the year, really often. It was actually starting to bug me. (laughs) I'm like, just stop. (laughs) I'm not doing this. And then at the end of the year, my daughter came to me and asked me if I would homeschool her. And I didn't tell anybody I was having these promptings. I didn't tell my husband. I didn't tell a friend. I told no one because I didn't want to do it. And in the beginning, I actually didn't realize it was a prompting. In the beginning, I thought it was just me being a mom wanting to protect my kid right. and knowing that she was struggling and just wanting to pull her out of the struggle. And in my mind, I was thinking, I, I can't just pull her out of the struggle. She, This is part of life. She needs to figure it out. But then when she came to me at the end of the year... I, I just, all of a sudden this light bulb went on in my head and I was like, oh my goodness, like, this isn't me wanting to pull her out of school. This is something that I, I'm really supposed to do. Like the, that's the Holy Spirit telling me that I need to do this. And so we did, we pulled her out of school and it was scary. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, I'm going to screw my kid up. <laughs> like This is going to be terrible. But we figured it out. And I'm actually really thankful that we figured it out in her eighth grade year, because then by the time high school came around, I kind of knew what I was doing and it worked out great. So, but in the meantime, in order to do that, I also had to quit my job. And that was another thing. Like I was prompted to quit my job and I was just like, I can't quit my job. Like I I actually wasn't even sure that we could afford for me to quit my job at the time. We decided that we were going to live off of just his income for three months and see how it worked. And sure enough, it worked great. And now with extra kids and stuff, I and our our mortgage is more than it was in our condo. So (laughs) I still don't know how it's working, but it's working. So that's all we need to know. Isn't it
0: interesting? Uh, When the Lord has something for you, he finds a way and it's like, I don't know how this is even possible, but it's amazing. I,
1: I have a really strong testimony that, especially tithing, like when you pay your tithing, if there isn't enough money, there will be
0: just pay your tithing and give it to the Lord and see what happens. I love that. I love that. I'm with you. We've seen so many miracles through the years that and fast offerings and just incredible. Yeah. Blessings of that. Right before
1: I was planning to launch the shop, we suddenly realized that my father-in-law was going to need to move in with someone. We talked to everybody in the family and we agreed that Sam and I were the people that he needed to move in with. And so we were like, okay, well, he can't live here because we had a two bedroom condo with a loft and all the bedrooms were upstairs and he can't go upstairs. And so we were like, we need to sell our condo and buy a house. And so we started looking for a house and I kept getting this very, very, very strong feeling that we needed a big house. And my husband thought I was insane. My real estate agent thought I was insane. And I was just like, I just can't shake this feeling. And my husband was like, we just need three bedrooms. We need one for you and me, one for Lexi and our, our teenager, and then one for my father-in-law. And I was like, I just can't shake the feeling that we need a bigger house. And so finally, he was like, he, he's learned over the years that he should always listen to me when I have strong feelings like that. And so finally he was like, okay, just find the house. Tell me like, you know, if, if you find a house that you like, let me know and I'll go look at it. And he was so difficult to buy a house with, like he would walk in the house and he would be like, I don't like the color of that wall. <laughs> and I'd be like, we can paint that wall. Like, that's just fine. Don't worry about the wall. Anyways. So it was very difficult. Everything that we looked at, we couldn't agree on then I found the house that we're in right now. And I called my real estate agent and I was like, I want to go see this house. And she said, you realize this house is a fixer, right? And I said, I do, but I just, I just have a really strong feeling about this house. I just feel like this house might be the one. And she was like, you are absolutely insane, but I'm going to take you to go look at this house. So she took me to look at the house. And as soon as we pulled up before we even walked in the house, I was like, this feels like home. Like this is our new house and we walked in the house and i looked through it and it needed a lot of work <laughs> but i was like this is it and she was like sam is never going to agree to this and i was like he is because this is our house <laughs> and she was like he's never going to agree to this and i said okay well um it, I want him to come and look at it and he'll he'll make the final decision she was like okay and so um there were 13 offers on the house that day and she was like you got he has to come and look at it tonight because you guys are going to lose this house if he doesn't come and look at it tonight and so I said okay so I called him up at work and I was like I found our house you have to come look I didn't tell him anything about the house (laughs) oh no I did not tell him it was a fixer upper. I didn't tell him that it was built in 1930. I told him nothing about this house. (laughs) And so, um, he met me after work and this was the very first time that he walked through the entire house and didn't say a word. Like he just walked through the house and just looking and in shock. I'm just kidding. (laughs) no just very solemnly just like walking through the house looking not a word and then he got back to the living room where he started and he said yep this is it
0: did your agent just fall on the ground (laughs) my agent was
1: like what you've gone through all these homes and this is the one (laughs) that's exactly what she said actually and he was like yeah he's like the price is right the layout is perfect because there's two bedrooms downstairs and then there's three bedrooms upstairs. And so, and the downstairs bedroom is kind of right off the living room. And then the other bedroom could have been like a extra TV room or something is what we were thinking. And then my father-in-law could basically have the living room to watch whatever he wanted to watch and his bedroom that he could go off into whenever he wanted to go off into it. And it was perfect. We ended up, Agreed to buy the house, and then in between the time that we closed on our condo and we got into the house that we're into, there was ten days, and so (laughs) we we got a hotel room, and we're staying in this hotel room. And three days into the time that we were staying in the hotel room is when we got the first three grandkids, and I was freaking out because I'm just like, they're never gonna let us have these kids in the hotel. I went to the manager of the hotel, and I'm like, this is crazy, but like, we're going to be here for 10 days while we're waiting for our house to close. We just found out that we have to take our grandkids. It's an emergency. Otherwise, CPS is going to take them. We, we have to take them. And so the manager was really nice. She was like, it's fine. And apparently, there we had one more person in the room than we were technically supposed to because of the fire law or whatever. But she was like, it's OK, because they're just small children. It'll be fine. And so we, like, made, like, a blanket bed in between the two beds on the floor. <laughs> and the three- and the five-year-olds slept in this little blanket bed in between our beds. The one-year-old, she was hilarious. She would just crawl in the corner and go to sleep like a cat when it was bedtime. Like, she, she just... And it was interesting because it was kind of the same time every night. She would just climb in the corner and go The body <laughs> clock says, it's time for bed, go to sleep. <laughs> and so we made her own little, you know, cat bed in the corner. And she just crawled in the corner and went to sleep every night. And it, it was perfect. It worked out great for the time that we were in the hotel. And the funny thing is, is this house actually has exactly enough rooms for all of us. There's a room for the two boys. There's a room for the two girls. My teenager has her own room. We have our own room, and my father in law has his own room. And I'd actually envisioned one of the rooms being my business office, but
0: nope. Someday. <laughs> <laughs> this is what God envisioned. <laughs> I can't believe that it was in that time period you ended up getting the kids. I mean, How amazing the way that the Lord works in our lives that you were prompted to get this house and the timing all worked. It was right when you were getting those kids. Yeah, it was crazy. Like I mean, that's amazing. If there's one thing that I've
1: learned in my life is when you get those promptings, you follow them. If it's something that's so strong that you just like can't stop thinking about it, you better do it. Because if you don't, like if I had just agreed with my husband and been like Okay, fine. We'll get the three-bedroom house like you want. And not kind of over the top like no, we have to get this we have to get a bigger house. Like this 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 feeling that I have is just too strong to ignore. Then I don't know what we would have done because I mean the state would not have let us take these kids if we didn't have a well, I mean I think that we're required to have one for the boys and one for the girls. I don't even think they'd let us have one bedroom for all four of them. I think that the boys and the girls have to have their
0: own room. So it was just perfect. It was amazing. Amazing. Okay, so let's move into in your shop, coming back to the shop. And it's I just love the way the story is just developing step by step. It's like we just get to know more and more of these cool experiences that you're having. Yeah. But I know that your shop, you cater a lot to sister missionaries, which is near and dear to my oldest daughter of our seven kids is serving a mission right now in California. And so I, I mean, I've always loved missionaries because I just think it's amazing that they volunteer a year or two of their time and money to go and serve other people and teach about Jesus Christ. But now that I have a kid that is doing that, it's like, oh my gosh, I just want to feed them all that I can and do all that I, you know, it's just totally different when you're feel like you're mothering these missionaries now. And I would love to hear why missionaries are so tender to your heart. I grew up in a Baptist church and
1: I believed all these weird things about the LDS church um, or Mormons as I knew them. I actually would have never even let the missionaries in my house if it weren't for my husband. There were several missionaries that came to try to teach me. And I basically had already made up my mind about the LDS church. Um, I was I was raised to believe that the church was a cult. Um, I thought the Book of Mormon replaced the Bible. I thought that the church worshipped Joseph Smith. I, I didn't even know the church, like... Worship Jesus Christ. Um, I just had all these really weird false beliefs about the church, and like none of them were correct.
0: Well, and if you haven't but. heard the full name of the church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, you might not even know that Jesus Christ. Like, if you just hear the term Mormon, you don't know that that is based as a exactly Christian religion. Yeah. And what does LDS mean? You know, right. like Latter Day Saint. People- right. People that aren't within our church culture don't know what that even means. Right. Right, right. Um,
1: so uh, the missionaries. Um, my my husband had basically left the church when he was fourteen. I met him when I was in high school, and we'd been friends for twelve years before we started dating. And in, in that time, I I never knew that he was a member of the church. I knew that there was something different about him. He just had this like special kindness and light to him that I didn't really have in any other friend. And I always knew that he was somebody that I could count on. We never even considered dating each other at all. But this crazy thing happened where um, I ended up having to leave my ex-husband and throw him in prison because he was living a double life. And the whole thing was just crazy. And I had PTSD and I was really, really depressed. And um, I had actually contemplated suicide, which I don't even believe in.
0: So you had
1: so this baby too. I had my my very first daughter I had when I was pretty young. That's a whole nother story too. He was a total creep. And I just I had a kind of a bad home life. And so I ran away from home when I was 14. And this 19-year-old guy told me he'd take care of me. And I took off with him and we ended up having a baby. And he ended up being a real piece of work. And so I raised her by myself. And then I met my second husband and he adopted her. And we had another baby together. And he also turned out to be a total creep, which I kind of think plays back into the way I grew up. I just never knew what a real marriage was supposed to be like. Mm -hmm. And I think if I'd known what a real marriage was supposed to be like, then I would have known what to look for Mm -hmm. in a spouse. But I just didn't know. And I think that's so important for people when they think about how they're interacting with their spouse in front of their kids. And like, you know, just being respectful and kind and loving and all those things, your, your kids are seeing all of that and they're learning that. And that's what they're going to look for when they grow up. But I forgot where I was going with that.
0: So then the missionaries and your oh, so the
1: missionaries. Yeah. So, um, my, my husband let them in the house. And at the time I worked really crazy hours. I worked an hour away from home and depending on traffic, sometimes it was two hours away. Cause Seattle so did you have both bad. girls at home at this point or was your oldest yes. daughter? Okay. Well, no, my oldest daughter wasn't at home when the missionaries started visiting us. Okay. She, I can't remember if she was quite married yet, but she was with him at the very mm-hmm. least. Mm-hmm. So he started letting the missionaries in the house and I was at work and I didn't get home until seven o'clock at night at some point they figured out that I was there too and I guess at first they thought that I was his wife but we weren't like engaged to be married at the time but we weren't married yet and so they started visiting and then they found out I existed so then they started coming later so they could visit with me too and I was really nice to them I wasn't mean to them or anything but I made it very clear that I didn't believe anything that they were teaching me But I was nice to them because my husband is the one that invited them into the house. And as far as I'm concerned, as long as his guests are respectful to me, I'm respectful to them. We went through several sets of missionaries and um, I literally didn't believe a word any of them were teaching me. And I I guess I kind of had this like wall up, you know, like, like I'm here, but I'm not listening. (laughs) One day there was a change in missionaries and I was not aware of the change I'd never seen this missionary before I'd never heard his name I knew nothing Uh, I thought the same missionaries were coming back that week and I heard the knock at the door and I knew it was time for the missionaries to be there because they came every Monday which actually happened to be their p-day and we didn't know that at the time but they were spending their p-day coming to visit us
0: that is very sweet Um, I know how precious those are now that I have a missionary they're one preparation day of the week it's like
1: yeah I And we didn't even understand how important those days were until we were like um, solid members for like a year. And we kind of, we'd been working with the missionaries all that time. And we were like, oh, they were spending their P day to come see us. That is really cool. Um, So that was pretty cool. But anyway, so there was a missionary change. Um, I heard the knock at the door. I went to the door. And as soon as I opened this door and saw this missionary standing there, I went from thinking like, oh no, the missionaries are coming again and I have to sit through this again to, I see this missionary standing on my front porch and I just had this really strong connection with him. And somehow I just knew that I could literally believe everything this missionary told me. And so I let him in the house and he had the same strong connection with me, which I found out just a few months ago, actually, it's been eight years now or eight and a half years. And I didn't know that he felt that way. And I didn't tell him because I thought he's going to think I'm insane. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I, but I just had this really strong prompting to tell him a few months ago. And he told me that he felt the same way. He was speechless. But that day he showed me the, the shorter version of the video of Joseph Smith and the Grove. I think it's called the restoration or something like that. Um, He showed me that video and I immediately knew that it was true, but I didn't tell the missionaries or my husband for a month (laughs) because we had already been planning on getting married the following August. And I think it was like October at this point or November. I can't remember. Anyway, our wedding was a long ways away and um, we don't believe in debt. And so we were like saving for our wedding. And you know, we wanted a real wedding. For my husband, it was his first wedding, mm-hmm. and for me, it was in my mind like my first, like like I actually one hundred percent thought that we were supposed to be together. So we just wanted it to be really special. So I didn't tell them for an entire month, and finally one night I told my husband, and um, I think he thought I was gonna call off the wedding or something at first, because <laughs> I was just like, um, I have something to tell
0: you and he's like bracing himself for the worst.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He was just like, Oh no, what's she going to tell me? (laughs) I finally like blurted it out. He was like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, well, I don't understand. Why didn't you tell me? And I was like, well, because we're getting married in August. And I knew that if I told you that you'd tell me that we had to tell the missionaries and
0: like they tell us we had to get married sooner and I just didn't want to deal with that. He was like, right. And for those of, okay. that are listening that maybe aren't of our faith, it's because of the law of chastity. We believe that if you're living together before you get baptized, you should be married. So anyway, that's why if they, <laughs> that's why the missionaries would want to move up the wedding. So anyway, keep going.
1: Yeah. So he told me that we had to tell them. I was like, no, absolutely not. And they were coming to visit the next day. And the next day when they came, he was like, so are you going to tell them? You tell them shh. And he was like, you got to tell them. And I was like, no, shh. and he was like, you have to tell them. And so finally the missionaries are just looking at each other in this like very confused state. And they're like, what is going on? And the, the one guy that I had the connection with, he's like, okay, now you have to tell me. Cause I, I have to know what's going on here. <laughs> And so I was like, okay, fine. So I mumbled it under my breath about three times before they finally understood what I said. Um, Just kind of really low and a little bit louder, a little bit louder. And they were like, wait, what? (laughs) And so they were like, well, why didn't you tell us? And so I kind of went over the same thing. I was like, but we're getting married in August. And like, we, we can't afford to get married sooner. We're just not getting married sooner. So those missionaries, went home and fasted and prayed for three days
2: oh my we found gosh.
1: this out many years later when we went to go visit one of the missionaries um fasted and prayed for three days and the funny thing is that, I mean it, it's not funny because I feel bad that they fasted and prayed for three days when they didn't need to but <laughs> um we both went to bed that night completely in agreement that there's literally no way we could get married sooner like we just couldn't afford to Like our rings, just our rings are like $3,000 a piece. We'd already had them picked out. We were making payments on them. I mean, there was just no way. And so we went to bed both, absolutely no way this isn't going to happen, to waking up the next morning like six hours later or something. And I just sat up in bed and I was like, we have to get married sooner. And he was like, I agree. And so we went and talked to our bishop at the time, um, who actually married us and became a very good friend of ours told him like we decided that we need to get married right away and um asked him if he would marry us and so we got married as soon as the cultural hall was available which I think was like three months later or four months something like that so we bumped up our wedding five months and we just had faith that somehow it was going to all work out And it did, I can't tell you where all the money came from. I have no idea how we paid for our wedding. Like we literally had everything we wanted. We had a beautiful wedding cake that was like professionally made. We had um, a DJ come to the cultural hall and play music so we could dance after the wedding. Um, My friends, her and her mom owned a wedding decorating business. They did the wedding decorating for us for free um the lady that was the Relief Society president president she actually knew my husband from when he was a kid we actually went back to the same oh that's cool when he was a kid so she was one of the people that was still there from that time which like I said was 20 years ago um so she she was a Relief Society president um she put together basically a a buffet style thing for us where everybody in the Relief Society who wanted to made a dish of food for us. Um, we, we literally had everything we wanted yeah. and no debt whatsoever. I don't know how it happened. Like it, it was God, obviously, like we, we chose to do what we should have done in the first place and got married sooner and God made it happen.
0: Um, Missionaries, why they ended up being so dear to your heart? I mean,
2: Obviously, okay, so, them being
0: in your home so much had a big impact, I would imagine. Yeah, we, we just, we love the missionaries so much. I try
1: really hard to help the missionaries whenever I can. I, I like to send sister missionaries my Be the Light and Hope bracelets for free. Um, I just give them my testimony and tell them, um, you know, that I'm so thankful for them serving a mission. Um, like, especially when they're serving really hard, like, people like me to teach some of those beginning missionaries when they came to teach me um, i could tell that they were like why are we even here she's not listening they're they're not converting like we're wasting our time but i want them to understand that they're not wasting their time like those first missionaries they didn't know it and i didn't know it but they were actually planting a seed and and that seed it might not have been ready to grow yet but they were still planting a seed and even though I technically wasn't listening. I actually, like, I was still hearing what they were saying and still learning some things, even though I already had my mind made up at the time. Um, but I mean, had those first missionaries not come to teach me when that missionary showed up at my door, I probably wouldn't have been ready to hear him. Right. So we just, we love them so much. And we try so hard to do everything we can to help them and make them feel loved and you know some of them are so homesick and everything that they're used to their moms making them meals and they don't get home-cooked meals anymore and so yeah we just try really hard to do that and then as far as my shop went like in the beginning my shop was a modest clothing boutique for women and I I feel bad saying this, but I love I, I really love working with the sister missionaries. But the reason why though is because I can actually help them. Yeah. Like I can I can go out and talk to people with them. Mm-hmm. I can take them places. One winter, we had a really bad snowstorm and the missionaries weren't allowed to drive. And it was Monday and they needed to go get food, but they had no way to get to the grocery store. And so they, one of the missionaries called me and she was like, Sister Shaw, is there any way you could take us to the grocery store? And to be honest, I was kind of worried because it was really snowy outside. And I was just like, uh, I prayed about it and I was like, yep, I'll take you to the grocery store. So <laughs> I went and picked them up. We did get stuck in a snowbank, but there was this very nice person with a snow shovel thing and they let us borrow it and we got ourselves out and it was fine. But I mean, just things like that. I can't do that for the elders because the elders aren't allowed to be alone with me.
0: <laughs> right,
1: right. <laughs> but But because my shop was originally a modest clothing boutique for sisters, it made sense at that point that maybe I would. Um, geared towards sisters. And then also in the meantime, I started having these ideas flow around in my head about a sister missionary journal. And I knew a lot of sister missionaries that had gone on missions and returned, returned sister missionaries, because my husband and I were in um, several callings that where we worked with like all of the youth in the stake that we used to be in we started seeing them, you know, go off and serve missions. And so I knew all these sister missionaries that had just returned from missions. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to go interview those sister missionaries and find out what they needed. Like what, what would have been helpful in a journal? Because one of the things that I was hearing is that these sister missionaries were having like, they'd have like 20 journals when they got home and they'd be all different shapes and sizes and they'd go in a box somewhere. And sometimes the box would get lost and forgotten and, you know. Um, and I was just like, well, those stories shouldn't be put in a box somewhere. They should be out where people can read them. I also wanted them to be like a really good, durable journal that could be kept for years and years and years. Cause I mean, hello, family history. Like, could you imagine reading a journal from like
0: some great ancestor that you've never met before oh, and reading their so missionary amazing. stories? Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, and I think even of your stories and how your family, I mean, it is such a story, just your story, what that will mean to your sweet little granddaughter when she grows up and can hear this backstory of this family. I mean, it's going to be incredible, you know? So, right. I mean, those mission stories are just so important too. It's those different ways that you can see the Lord entering your life. And sometimes on a mission, I think you can see that even more heightened because you're yeah. in those situations. And I, I don't, sometimes they're a little more close together, I guess, you know, yeah. But yeah. it's just so amazing. So
1: I had all these ideas swirling in my head and I was like, okay, I'm going to go start interviewing sister missionaries, ask them what they need. And so I just compiled all this data from all these returned missionaries. And I was like, okay, so I made this journal and I decided that I didn't want them to have 20 journals. So each journal is a six-month journal. A sister missionary only needs three of them on her entire mission. And there's a, a weekly check-in page where just kind of asks her how the week before went. There's even a meal plan. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff on there. I wish I had a journal in front of me, but I don't. Anyway, so there's a weekly check-in page. Oh, and there's a quote of the day and like a verse of the day or the week or whatever too, so that they can, you know, reflect on that. And then in between each weekly check-in page, there's seven front and back journaling pages. And so, and then my conversion story is in the front of the journal too, just to hopefully give them some hope when they're teaching somebody that's difficult to teach, knowing that they're at least planting a seed, even if they're not meant to
0: be the one to baptize that person or convert that person. I think that's amazing. Boy, I see it's hard. Those missionaries, it's a struggle get homesick. And if you, you know, I don't know, maybe it's also because my daughter's teaching during COVID and it's been, there's been a lot of different obstacles with that missionary work is changing now that there's been this epidemic and it's wonderful things are coming, but man, it's been hard for her to try yeah. to figure out how she's, if she's feeling like she's doing a good job or, you know, so I'd love that you have your story up there. Cause I think that's just encourages them so much that even if you don't see the fruits right in front of them, Mm-hmm. on the road it's making such a big impact my be and
1: my hope bracelets are kind of tied to my story too so the be the light bracelets are meant to remind them that they're you know they chose to go serve a mission to be a light to the lord and when people see that light they want to learn more and they want to get to know them better and it's just so important. There's actually a verse. It's John 8, 12. It says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I really like that because that's, that's what we are. We're supposed to be a light to the world. And by these missionaries choosing to follow that light, then they're being a light to the world too. And, and I always like to say too, like, you don't need a name tag to be a missionary. Any one of us can be a missionary. I'm a missionary, you're a missionary, like we're all missionaries, we're all
0: in it together basically. I love that. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, oh, this has just been incredible to hear your story. I just you're amazing and I'm so glad that you'd be willing to share it with us and take this time and I'd love to hear I know you have some new products that are kind of coming out that are not just for sister missionaries. Would you you want to talk about that just really quick before we wrap um, up? Well, it's not really a new product. It's just that if you look at this
1: journal, anybody who has like any spiritual woman who has a goal in life can use this journal. It's perfect for any spiritual woman that is, has a goal. And they actually told me this a few times because it takes about 10 times for, <laughs> <to begin. laughs> but I finally looked at this journal. I'm going to start using it for my business because I mean, it's, it's great. Like, I mean, I, I start every day with, you know, prayer and, and scripture study and everything. And, you know, I can just put my verse of the day or the weekend or whatever. And it's good for me and, and anybody that has goals in life years later, a hundred years from now, people are going to want to know who we were, you know, like. And, and to have a journal that's handwritten by me or you or anyone to somebody a hundred years from now, like that, that would be so cool.
0: Well, and how cool to leave your legacy and your take on what's going on, because, yeah, they may have news or newspapers or whatever through the years, but it would be so neat for your family to see how you felt about how things were And how it really was for your family and not just the different views that are coming through on the media. I think it's so precious for our family to see how our day-to-day life fit in with what is happening in the world around us. I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: I also love, at least for me, writing is such an outlet sometimes when I'm trying to get thoughts organized in my head or I I just do a lot better. So I love journaling for that too. It just helps clear my mind and get some of that stuff out. So I think that is super important. I love that you have a menu plan in your little journal too, because, oh, it just helps me so much when I can get that all organized in one spot. That's great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My side hobby is like, um, exercise and so like along with that comes like meal prep and that yes. kind of stuff and so <laughs> that's that's kind of partially where that came from
0: well um, and you could totally take that to another level I mean I'm just having all these ideas because I'm such a foodie having food be part of our helping of happiness blog that how cool would it be if I you know they could see what we were eating and then go back and see more recipes and have those for their family. That would just be so cool to pass on to the generations. That's awesome. Yeah. That is so awesome. Well, let's tell everybody where we can find you and get these cute bracelets and these awesome journals and the other cool things that you have in your shop. So let's give them your handle.
1: Yeah. So um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and it's at shop, be the light. And B is like a bumblebee. My um, logo for my shop is a cute little bee. So at shop be the light. And then my web address is just www.shopbethelight.com with, you know, B-E-E, like bee, Bumblebee.
0: Awesome. And we'll put links to all this in the show notes. So it will be really easy. They can just click on the button and get there and see your cute things. Is there anything else on your heart you wanted to share before we wrap up? The only other thing is I
1: I wanted to tell you guys about my Tree of Life collection. I have a Tree of Life collection because the story of Lehi's dream is um, really special to me. Um, When I first read the story of Lehi's dream, I didn't understand it at all. And it took me a long time to kind of study it and like understand it. And so now that I understand it, it's just kind of us like, sticking to the path that we were meant to be on and following it, which leads to eternal life, basically. So that's kind of where it comes from. So I have a, a big line of tree of life stuff, just because that story's so special to me in my shop, bracelets and earrings and stuff like that.
0: So, so cool. I can't yeah. wait to check that out. That's awesome. I love it. Well, Heather, you are super special and amazing. And I'm just, feel so grateful that you felt so open and willing to share everything cuz you shared some things that are really close to your heart and I just think that it strengthens my faith hearing your story and I'm just so grateful for you and for sharing with us today. Oh, thank you.
1: I feel like that's kind of what we're here for, you know. We we're here to strengthen each other's faith. We all started in heaven, you know. We all chose to come here and our job is to help each other come back. So, yeah. yeah anytime I can strengthen anybody's faith and this was great it was really nice talking to you I feel like we've been friends for
0: so long on Instagram but I've never really actually talked to you in person it's so, so. Cool. I love <laughs> really it fun. that's like the best thing about having a podcast is that I get to meet these people that I just follow on Instagram it's so awesome
1: yeah totally well thanks
0: so much for inviting me All right, we're on
2: with our little spoonful of spirit. Lindy, let's talk about personal history today. My experience in writing in my journal is is two things. One, when I was younger, then I literally made like a checklist of what I did that day. This morning I brushed my teeth and I and I had and I got my homework in my bag, and then I went to school, and then I did math and I did English. <laughs> and that's like if you read my third, or I don't know, that was probably like fifth or sixth grade, that's what my journal was. Um, and then as I got older, I got way into telling details of of experiences that I've had. And I would start writing, and then I would be writing a novel about one event and and I wouldn't finish it that day so then I would the next day I would pick it up and and finish that event and then I would have to catch up on that day and the stuff that happened that day and so I would get way way behind and then I would just stop because it got overwhelming and then as I got older I did a, a couple different things that were more manageable and this this is more towards I think like the busy mom my ideas on on personal history well, I have a ton of ideas, so I'm just going to give a bunch of ideas yeah. and, and people can, can be inspired and do. And I think it, like it. you were saying,
0: though, there are seasons of our life when it's going to look different, right? Yeah. There's when you're going crazy, it might be a more abbreviated one than when, or maybe just how you are. Maybe you're a more detailed person and you want to put all that detail in. Yeah. Okay. All right. Spat yeah. up.
2: Okay. So when I was single. I only wrote about my adventures. I just want to throw this in real fast. This was another phase of my personal history. <laughs> and so I had all of these pictures of me going to Yosemite and going to Mexico and going to the Chicago. And and I only wrote about my adventures. So for about two Man, years your ago, life looks super exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My kids are going to read that and be like, whoa, mom. Whoa,
0: wanderlust over here.
2: <laughs> I said nothing about the daily life. Only... I, I only did adventures and anything that I had pictures of, which were only adventures. So, so there's, and, and I think all of those things are fun. I think all of those things, mm-hmm. even though they're broken up and there's years where I didn't do personal history, there's still st- stuff there, you know? And today we have so many uh, wonderful technology things. So like chat books, I think chat books or shutterfly books or mixed books, those things that make it easy and fun to do our pictures. So then we have a picture journal that you can write little captions and capture those moments. I would even say that social media is a form of personal history and if you treat it that way and with the idea of publishing it in a book or downloading it or something where you have it, it's not just like on the internet. So those are good options. What I do for my kids, and it's been such a blessing in our lives, is on my phone, I have my notes. And, and whenever my kids have a milestone, and I mean, it happened a ton in their first two years, um, today you walked, today, like right now, oh. Lucy does this thing where she, <laughs> she puts her hands in her mouth. I think it's because we're trying to only do binky at nighttime. So now her fingers go in her mouth and she gets massive amounts of spit and then she rubs it in her hands and then she rubs it on her face and she's just playing in her spit and she smells like bad breath. It is So I have a hard time picking her up because I'm like, oh, I love it. <laughs> and so I wrote that down because that's kind of a silly and it's um, funny it's a funny face she's in yes and so just on my phone on my notes whenever I think of these things then I just go in and write it down
0: that's a great
2: idea and then it's fun for my kids then I take their pictures and I put their milestones like in in a book with their picture of that month and 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 then they they love that book and so that's a fun way where it's not I love
0: that Milestone of the month. You know, I love alliteration.
2: Alliteration. (laughs) Uh, Yes. And so then it's not overwhelming, you know, like you just, as you see things come up, you just write them down real quick. And then, like every three months, I'll get all of the stuff together that I have and put, find a picture that I took and put the milestones on it and then put it in their book. And it's not overwhelming. The another so that's what I do for my kids and that's been very rewarding. Um for me, I have a book called Flex of Gold and it's a beautiful journal.
0: Okay, I've heard of that. That's by Rachel Nielsen. Did she create that? Wait. Yeah. 3
2: and 30 podcast. 3 and 30, yeah yeah, yeah. 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 The podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a gift to me because I was having a hard time with feeling stuck as a mom because I'm still in that like
0: oh yeah you're in that life. oh yeah man <laughs> it's
2: rough <kind> of <laughs> <of the> <laughs> um, and I was feeling stuck and so she sent me this journal and it's it's beautiful because um, each page it has the date so like February 3rd and then on that page there's three spots for three different years so you only write a paragraph which is totally doable and it's just like what flux of gold, what little piece of gold happened in your in being a mother. Mm. And so then I, I look back on the day and I think, oh, today was so fun because Zoe and I played slap for 10 minutes and it was just a great bonding experience. And so I write that and the fun part about that and the one, the thing that inspires me to write is that then next year when I come around to February 3rd, then I get to read what happened last mm. year. And then write what happened this year. And then the next year, I come back around to the same date and I do the same thing. I have two entries that I get. So to it's, a it's
0: a three-year journal.
2: A three-year journal.
0: so cool.
2: And it's not overwhelming. It's just like one little paragraph. And it helps me reflect on all of the fun things that happen as a mom. So then I am fulfilled and don't feel quite as stuck. So that one has been a huge blessing in my life. Um, my my partner I we were talking about during this lesson he um does an audio journal Mm -hmm. when he is driving in the car or something instead of Marco poloing somebody he gets on his own recorder and records kind of a a personal journal and then so he has this audio journal and this and um and that has been- how cool
0: would that be for his family later to be able to hear his voice? To
2: hear him. I know
0: we, um, so on Sundays, we try to have a little family history time with my kids, whether that be looking up some people on our family tree, or we were doing taking pictures over at the graveyard doing find a grave where you document the photos and put in the GPS for people that are looking for their family in the cemeteries. But this last Sunday. Um, I said, let's read some personal histories of people because on family search, they have some, some people in our family have personal histories that we haven't read through. And we were reading through my grandpa's and I remembered that I spoke at his funeral. This is like nine years ago. because This is about the anniversary of his death just the last week or so. And so I was trying to find my email because I knew that I emailed out to the family, some of the things that I talked about and i found this thing that i had not read at the funeral but that it was his the last few days cuz he we went on vacation to celebrate my grandmother's 80th birthday maybe probably her 80th birthday and he, we all got together the whole extended family everybody was there and the day after like the morning after we got home is when he passed away and so we had all had like that weekend, but like he even went into the hospital, like the day after her birthday, he'd had cancer. So he'd been sick for a really long time, but so we had the chance to spend some of his very final days with him. And so I had written about that whole experience. And so I was reading that with my kids and I had just forgotten so much of what had happened. And so I'm just like teary and loving it. And it was so special because he knew he was dying. So he was saying things to me that were a lot more personal and special. And then we found this audio recording of him and his last little expressions and testimony that he gave to our family at that party. Someone had recorded it and put it in those family memories. And it was just so awesome to hear his voice. You know, I just thought this is, even though there were like kids crying in the background and crazy, you know, cause I mean, there's he had seven children and then he had great grandchildren. I mean, like there's so much family that were at that thing, but it was just so special to have that voice. So I hope, I mean, my kids obviously will have my voice a lot with this podcast, (laughs) plenty of things to sift through, but to have somebody in your family be speaking to you, which I'm sure your partner in some probably talking to himself, but also maybe talking to his future family or something like that too. That was a really long story to go with what
2: you (laughs) said. And that's, and that, but that's perfect on this lesson because you, you really hit on the point of like, why do we do this? Um, I have a quote in the lesson by Marlon K. Jensen, who was the church historian um, for I think 15 years. Um, And he put the, let's see. The the scriptures, especially the Book of Mormon, make clear that remembering is a fundamental and saving principle of the gospel. We keep records to help us remember. And that's what you said, is that you forgot what you had experienced, and when you read it, you remembered. And he says, remembering the past gives us needed perspective as God's children to have faith in our future destiny and thus to live more faithfully in the present. Lessons from the past help us cope with our present and give us hope for our future. And how how beautiful it is that that I can go back and look at all my adventures for 2 years, you know? And 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 relive those, those feelings and those experiences when I'm feeling like I'm stuck as a mom and, and it, you feel like you've done nothing in your life, but laundry and change (laughs) (laughs) diapers. And even looking forward to the times that I can, I can have those adventures with my kids, you know, Mm -hmm. and remembering, oh, this is who I am. And I'm going to force you to do that with me (laughs) when you're (laughs) older.
0: Yep. I'm totally in that phase
2: (laughs) and you will have fun while we're doing it. (laughs) um yeah and that's so fun I I do want to say one more journal option um prompts and that's what the lesson is is I I have prompts that say that give you
0: questions that helps a ton when you feel stuck it's yeah really hard when you just feel like I have nothing exciting in my life what should I even write about
2: yeah and and the prompts um trigger memories and ideas that you would probably wouldn't otherwise think to write down and so it gives you a good look And two, it's healthy for you to write those things because it's good for your psyche. And then it's also fun to have those. Um, There are a couple journals. One of them that I'm thinking of is Promptly Journal. Okay. Um, They have a bunch of journals with prompts, including um, one where husband and wife, they have prompts. It's a book that you write together and to each other. And it has prompts, which is very very fun. Yeah. I'm still still working on convincing my husband that he wants to do that. (laughs) Uh, anyway so so there's some fun resources to help you with your personal history um and i just i just want to share the joy and the beauty that it has been in my life even though i have like i said missed years at a time but that's okay because i also have tons of a personal history to look back on that helps me remember and helps me to feel buoyed up i love it that's perfect
0: Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you will head over and see all the really fun things that we have on our Helping Happiness blog. We've got family recipes, home hacks, our podcast archives, and travel tips. And if you would love access to all of our amazing freebies, we've got meal planning hacks, and menus, and printables, and really, really fun things, all in our freebie resource library. And all you have to do is punch in your email and then you can have access emailed straight to you to get into all of our libraries. So head over to helpingofhappiness.com and sign up for that. And if you've loved this podcast, give us a rating, a review, and subscribe so you don't miss it every week. Have a great one.